thankful because even though we are wretched, disgusting sinners, Lord, you have paid the penalty and you have redeemed us from the curse of the law. And Lord, here we're so thankful. We're so thankful, Lord. And we've, we're different people now. We, we were lost, but we're now found. We were headed for in the wrong dark direction, but now we're headed in the right direction towards you because we so gladly received the precious sacrifice of our son upon the cross, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What a blessed Savior we have. Lord, you loved us so much that you went to the cross for us. What a blessed Savior you are. Lord, you didn't have to. You didn't have to, but you chose to. And Lord, here we stand, we sit, we bow, we cry before you because we have been redeemed and justified and sanctified. And we just thank you, Father. To you be the glory, Lord, this day. Lord, it's a different little kind of day, but that's okay because you're here. That's why we're here to begin with. So, Lord, today be blessed by all you've heard and all that you're going to hear and all that is said here today. May Jesus be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. Um, you know, unusual day, but we are up right now on TV viewers, so you will be able to watch the service or send it to somebody that you want to watch the service. We're up on Team Viewer now. I don't know how it exactly works. Talk to Liz and Matt. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if you can get up. I'm, you know, I, all I know is it's going to be on the Internet. <laughs> Listen, you're listening to Freedom Church in the Palm Beaches. If you're tuned in right now, we're glad you're here. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. You can check us out on the web anytime. Freedom Church PB stands for palmbeach.org. Freedom Church PB dot org so you can check us out find out what we believe in where we're located uh, messages from years back you can even donate online there's a give life button it's funny because it's spelled give life g-i-v-e-l-i-f-y and sometimes a y sounds like an i so i always say give life so uh, if you could you just donate online keep the church going you know what i wouldn't be surprised if someday that maybe the church of the future might have to do exactly what we did here in America because I see a great deterioration. And I even had a talk to a, a friend of mine I met once or twice and he called me up on Saturday night or, no, not Saturday night, Friday night. And he said, Pastor Joe, please pray for our nation. Please pray for, for this country because we are headed down a dark path. And it just might come to be that, you know, there will be meeting in homes and there won't be any airing because people will be looking for us to snuff us out because we preach the gospel. But Jesus said, blessed are you when men curse you and hate you and spurn your name for evil for my name's sake. He said, jump and leap for joy for great is your reward in heaven. Listen, this isn't our home. Remember that missionary? He was over in Africa for like 40 years, him and his wife. I forget his name. He's in Africa for about, about 20 to 30 years, and he'd been a missionary, and that's all he knew. He comes home from Africa, and he ended up on the same ship that Franklin Delano Roosevelt was on because he had just come back from a hunting trip. Or maybe it was Teddy Roosevelt. 
Anyway, he just came back from a hunting trip, and everybody was crowded at the boat because because Teddy Roosevelt, you know, was was on that ship. There was news reporters and all kind of coverage, and the missionary, you know, they just got on the boat. Everybody's flocking towards the president on the boat as they cruise to America. They get to New York, and they pull into the harbor, and there's a big band playing for President Roosevelt coming in from his hunting trip. And the missionary goes to his wife. He's there, honey, I don't get it. It's the president. He gets a big fanfare. We've been preaching the gospel for 40 years, 30, 40 years. And here we come back and nothing's there. He was really getting angry. And then he said he ended up renting an apartment in, in the lower parts of New York because he couldn't afford anymore. And he's, got, he's getting angry with God. And God's saying, you know, he's getting angry with God. And finally his wife says, honey, you need to go to the bedroom bow down at the bed, and take this before the Lord. He did that. He went into the room, prayed. He took it before the Lord, and he told the Lord, we've been missionaries for so many years, and you, you know, we come home, and there's nobody waiting for us. We have a measly apartment. He said, and I don't get it past the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him. He came out of the room, talked to his wife. His wife said, your whole continence has changed. What happened? He said, well, I went to the Lord, and he told me just a few words, and this was the words. He said, you aren't home yet. You aren't home yet. Wait till you get home, because all these years you've been preaching the gospel. And we even sang it today. You're going to be looking at Jesus face to face. You'll no longer have to worry about this junk down here that, that really God provided a great place for us, but, you know, it's nothing compared to his kingdom. Someday we're going to be going home. We're going to create a great fanfare, and the Lord's going to say, well done, my beloved servant. So don't get excited. You know, I mean, get excited about who you are. You should have no self-esteem problems, that's for sure, because the Lord God Almighty has called you. By his name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Anyway, for those online, again, we, you know, if you, if you don't know where we're at, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road. If you're in local in the area, we're a quarter mile west of I-95 uh, on the north side of the road. We have Bible study every Sunday or church service every Sunday at, at 10 a.m. On Thursday night, 7.15, I told you I'm preaching in Romans right now. We spent two verses this week, uh, 14, Romans 1, 14 through 16, and we spent 45 good minutes on that. And, um, and on Sundays, I'm preaching in Matthew, so we have a special treat today, as you well know, but on next Sunday, I'll be in Matthew chapter 9. We're doing an ex, you know, expositional study through the book of Matthew. We spent four or five uh, services on chapter 8, because Jesus is is uh, showing himself to be Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah, you know, Ted Canoe, Jehovah Nisi. I'm going to show you that as he's healing all these people. So, um, so tune in if you're local men. We have a Bible study men every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Stop by. Um, that's about it. That's about it. Listen, today... Uh, we have a special speaker, as you well know. Matt spoke last week. 
you know, he's headed to Brazil next week, uh, supposedly, if uh, there might be a little hang up with a visa, but it, it will be gone very shortly if that doesn't happen. Um, uh, but we had a big uh, uh, thing for him, Brett and Nona put together for him yesterday. We prayed over him and sent him off, and I want the congregation today, after the end of the service, to stick around, and we're going to call Matt up, and, and the church here, Freedom Church, is going out from, from here. You know, he's going out from this church, so we, we praise the Lord. So, um, so today we got uh, Pastor Brett. You know, I don't know what to call him anymore because I saw him as a missionary move into a pastor position, and now he's moving into evangelism. And I'll tell you what, I say, messy missionary, pastor, evangelist, Brett Hennis is here. <laughs> yeah. You could just call me uh, Brother Brett. That's about it for me. Yes. But um, so. that's, a, that's a good enough title, just that I'm a child of the living God. Amen. Amen. And I'm a son of Jesus. I'm a son of the Father. And I'm your brother in Christ. So we're actually, um, I just spoke with Liz. Uh, I'm going to have Matt come up now, just because the streaming, you know, it may cut out. We really want to get this on recording. We're going to have everyone, if you guys can just stand up, we're going to, uh, you know, as Pastor Joe even was just sharing that testimony of the missionary, you know, coming back after 30, 40 years of service. We're about to send our brother out into the fields as a missionary. And um, I just want to invite, again, the leaders will come up. If you guys want to stand to your feet and pray with us or just reach out your arm. So before we pray, you know, I just want to share how my heart is so overjoyed. You know, I remember the first uh, time I met Matt from years ago it was about you know 10 over 10 years ago it was like 12 years ago now and Matt was just this young guy who just surrendered his life to the Lord and he went to the pastor at another church and he said man I, I grew up in church but I was a prodigal son and now I'm really ready I want to serve Jesus and I want to and he said I, I feel like God wants me to just go to India or, and be a missionary or something and the guy said that's amazing, but um, just, just go be a part of the men's group right now and just grow a little bit because he just gave his life to Jesus, you know, and the guy knew he needed some time to grow. But just to see his heart, you know, even from day one, the moment he, like, returned to the Father's house and the Lord called him back in to, to the flock, he was ready to go be a missionary from day one, you know, and I remember just bringing him into my home group. I had a men's home Bible study going on, and Matt was just hungry, he was so hungry, and he was so hungry, he ended up learning so much about the Lord and the Word of God, he ended up leading the group two, three years after that, and he had a, you know, a fellowship going like a home church for five years going on, and he was a man, uh, you know, of God, just so faithful, and I just want to say, you know, I'm also sad, you know, I'm a little sad, I got to be honest, because I've been feeling like this week, you know, he's like so special and dear, if you know Matt. He's such a servant of God. You know, he doesn't let his right hand know what his left hand's doing. He does so many things behind the scenes. And he's just such been a, such a faithful friend to me. You know, David only had one Jonathan. And I can honestly say, like, the one Jonathan I've had my in, in the last decade of my life, it's, it's been Matt. And, you know, to send him off is hard. But I know as a blessing, as, as much of a blessing he, as he was to us, to the church, to our ministry, that's what he's going to go do in brazil he's going to go be a minister of the gospel he's going to go and encourage churches he's going to go and teach the word of god he's such a pure man of the word 
So that's what we're praying for, guys, that, uh, you know, he's a man that's bore fruit and that he will just go and bear more fruit and fruit that will remain. And uh, Brazil, obviously, you guys know, is a very special place to us. So we're sending him off to Brazil. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and let Pastor Joe, you know, lay hands on him and pray. And then we'll get, we'll see Matt off. I'll go ahead and I'll just start praying and Pastor Joe can close it. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we um we just humbly come before you. We know, Lord, that all of heaven is watching. We know, Lord God, that your servant who you formed in his mother's womb, God, long before any of us even acknowledged who he was, God, you knew who he was. You knew his name, and you called him forth from his mother's womb to be your servant. And Lord, we just bless Matt. We know, Lord, that you are with him. We've seen your hand upon his life for so many years, God. This is not a a babe in Christ, Father, as your word says. We don't lay hands quickly on any man, Father, because we know, God, that there, there takes time for a character to be forged in the fire. It takes time for a man of God and a calling to be truly uh, formed into the thing which you have it. And we've seen this man, God, be formed even over decades of time. His, his character, his, his, uh, his very heart for God and the gospel and the word of God. And we've seen him study to show himself approved, God. Spending years just in your scripture, in his closet. And your word says those who pray in the secret place, those who seek you in the secret place, you will honor them publicly. And Father, we see as you're about to launch him into like a public platform, a public ministry, as he's going to go out and be a missionary in Brazil. Father, we thank you. And we just bless him, God. We bless his life. We bless, God, the things that you have prepared for him, as it says in Ephesians, the good works which you prepared beforehand for him to do. God, we see ahead that you have great things for him, Father. We believe this in Jesus' mighty name. And we pray that you will give him divine favor wherever he goes, Father. Wherever he goes, he will have a boldness to proclaim your gospel. That he will make known the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Father. That he will be a, uh, a plumb line, God, bringing the body of Christ back to the word of God. Back to the cross. Back to the core of Christianity, the heart of worship. As he's been in our lives, God, a plumb line. Setting straight the people of God. Keeping us, Lord, walking on the straight and narrow. And we thank you, Father. We know, Lord, you're going to bless him mightily and use him mightily for your glory. For your glory, God. And so, Lord, as, as uh, Paul and Barnabas were set apart by you and sent out, Lord, we know he's a sent out one, God. He's being sent out by you right now. And we just thank you, Lord. We thank you. We're just coming in agreement with what you've already been doing and what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, God, we're not asking you for anything other than your will be done in Matt's life and in his ministry. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Lord, that's, this is you calling, Matt. Not Freedom Church, not mom, not dad, not anybody. Lord, it's you that are calling Matt to the work that you have for him in Brazil.
Lord, as um, Paul was writing to the Romans, he said, he said this, I long to come to you that I might lay my hands upon you that God may, may give you a gift for the work that, that, you were, that he's called you to. So, Lord, we pray that we are laying hands on that, Lord, that today you will impart to him a special gift for the work of ministry that you have for him in Brazil. And there's not just one facet of that. There's, I'm sure there's many facets, Lord. So, Lord, give him the ability, give him the gifts that you, yes, you need him to operate in in Brazil, that he would become the, um, the missionary that you called him to be, that will touch so many lives. Yes, Lord God, and then take the gospel out into other parts of the world um, as he imparts it to his, his uh, classroom that he's teaching English to, and all the mission trips and, and field trips that are going to take to preach the gospel. Open the doors, Lord. Make divine appointments for, for this to happen, you know, for, for the ministry that, mm. that you called them to in Brazil. Lord, keep him safe, safe from yes. any harm, Lord. Father God, that, that any evil tries to attack him, Lord, in any way, shape, or form, that they see the precious seal of the Holy Spirit that's on him, that he know that he's covered with the blood of Jesus. Yes, and instead, yes. of, instead of him fearing that they, the devils just depart out of the Amen. way, because here comes a man of God Hallelujah. preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to mankind. Lord, for you, to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, Jesus amen. Name. Amen. 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 What a, oh man, what a glorious thing, what a holy thing. You know, it says in, uh, this verse just came to me, it's in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 1 or 2, it just came to me, but. You know, the scripture says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered the heart of man, the great things that God has in store for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. We know that's talking about saints. It's talking about people like Matt. And it says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered the mind of man, just like that missionary who thought, you know, he got a sh the short end of the stick compared to the president. But the Lord had to remind him of the glory that was to come, of the reward that was awaiting him. And it says, it's interesting, it says we can't even comprehend the great things God has in store for us. It, 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 it can't even enter our finite carnal minds. We can't grasp it. But yet it says the Spirit of God can actually reveal those things to you. It says right after that, who knows the mind of a man except the spirit of that man? Who knows what's in your thoughts except you? <laughs> and who knows what's in the mind of God except the spirit of God? And I believe the spirit of God is going to reveal great things to you, Matt. As you step out in faith, you're going to see great and mighty things. Things that you couldn't even ask or think or imagine. The Bible says to him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ask, think, or imagine. I don't know about you, I got a big imagination though. I had since I was a little child until now, if you all know me. And I'm like, Lord, I got a big imagination, but the Bible says He does greater things than you can even ask, think, or imagine. And this is our God. He hasn't called you 
He hasn't called you to be this puny wimp on earth, whimpering around, you know, getting beat up by every devil and hiding in every corner you can. He's called you to be the light and salt of the earth. He's called us to do great and mighty things. Jesus said, greater works you will do. He who believes in me, greater things. They, they were in awe of Jesus' ministry. I mean, the disciples, no one ever saw the things that Jesus did. And he reminded them, you guys will do greater things. And this is the call of the church. You know, and I feel like so many times the body of Christ is so content with, with just the leftovers of the world. You know, almost like we're, we're, just, we're just content to just have the leftovers from the master's table, the crumbs. We're not dogs, guys. We're children of God. Dogs eat crumbs from their master's table. Servants don't know what their master is doing. But Jesus says, I call you friends now. He says, you're no longer called servants. Now, we all know we're servants of God, right? We're all humble servants of God. But Jesus gave us even a higher position. He said, you, you're my friend. You can actually sit at my table and eat with me. Because a servant doesn't know of his master's business. But I've told you all things. I've revealed to you my father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father, he said. Come on, somebody. No one has seen God at any time. But the image of the invisible God came down from heaven and made him known. He made the father known to us. And we can know God. And we can make him known. Today I want to talk to you. This is a strange moment for me. Usually I'm outside and I'm hot when I'm preaching and I'm sweaty. Like in Brazil, I'm always hot and sweaty. Today I'm shivering. I'm cold. <laughs> so, I, you know, people were telling me 30 degrees. Yeah, I'll get warmed up here. Don't worry. Holy Ghost fire is about to fall. I just, I just you know, I never shiver when I preach. So I'm, I'm in a weird position right now. I'm trusting in God, though. But, you know, my wife was like, it's going to be in the 30s. I'm like, it's never in the 30s in South Florida. I didn't even believe her, but it is pretty cold today. So before we get into this and, and pray, I want to just share with you, you know, really quickly, the heart of the message. And I want this to really land on our hearts because it's so important to God. We'll, we'll see that as we go through this scripture. We're going to literally talk about the heart of God. The heart of God. And when we talk about the heart of God, what does that even mean? God doesn't have a heart, right? The Bible says he's, he's, He has no form. He's a spirit. He's a spirit being. And so what we're talking about, the heart of God, it's not some physical pumping you know, muscle like we have. It's, it's literally the core and the essence of who God is. That's what we're talking about, like what his nature is, what the core of his being is, and what his character is like. Specifically, we're going to talk today about the compassion of Christ, the compassion of Jesus Christ. And let's go to Ephesians 3. We're going to read this and pray. Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21. This is actually, as you turn in there, this is my favorite 
prayer, other than, I mean, Jesus' own prayer, right, in John 17, but this is like my favorite prayer for believers in the Bible. This is my favorite prayer that I've found in Scripture. Uh, it's actually Paul's prayer for the believers in the church of Ephesus. And it's a really, it's a really short but deep prayer. We'll go ahead and read it. I'd actually like someone to read it, actually. If verse 14 through 21. Someone who's got a good preacher voice or just reads well. Feel free. I would like you guys to read it. Come on, Matt. Yeah, 14 through 21. Chapter 3. Ephesians yep. three fourteen. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. Father, we just pray as we open your word, we know your mouth has opened. We know this is the word of the living God. Spirit breathed. It comes out from your nature, from who you are, from your Holy Spirit. We know it's a double-edged sword, God, and it cuts through the bone and marrow, even dividing soul and spirit, God. And we pray your holy word will just penetrate and speak to us today, that we will be able to understand it, because we can't understand these things without the Holy Spirit. We can't comprehend with all the saints, the width and length and depth and height of your love, but yet you want us to. The prayer was that we would know your love, God, that we would know the love of Christ, that we would understand it and comprehend it, that, it would sh that you would show us the deep measures of your love, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God, come to completion, come to maturity, God. Mature us today. Complete us in your love. You said perfect love casts out all fear. And Father, what manner of love is this that we should be called the children of God? And these revelations, God, that Paul was given to give to the churches. But yet we see later on they didn't even receive and understand it. They fell away from their first love. And Father, today we see so many in America, in the world, falling away from Jesus apostatizing God I know this is a a deep message God but it's your heart you want us to know you that's what you died for you didn't die just to cleanse us just to save us just to take us out of hell you died that we would know God and be brought back and reconciled to our father Jesus you said this is eternal life that they would know him and the Son in whom He sent. That's eternal life to you, Jesus, that we would know God and the Son whom was sent by Him. 
So teach us who you are, God, all over again. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we read this prayer, and at the core of this prayer, um, understand this was already a church. This was a church that was already planted. This church was already growing. This church had already been started. They've already received the gospel. Paul calls it the mystery of the gospel. They've already been saved. They already knew who Jesus was. They already received the gospel. They already received salvation. They already received all these teachings from Paul. He himself was the, one of the founders of this church. He went and preached in the city. They knew the gospel. They knew the Lord. They knew who Paul was. They knew who Jesus was. And yet he's praying for them that they would know who Jesus is. Do you guys understand? <laughs> he was praying for them that they would come to know the love of Christ in such a way that they would be filled with all maturity. The Bible says that they would come to the fullness of God, completion, maturity. And he, he prays in such a way, and I love this prayer because he says, I'm praying that God would grant you, right? I'm praying that, he says, I bow my knees to the Father. I'm, I'm humbly crying out to God on your behalf the Father of our Lord, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. We're all named under the name of Jesus. Amen. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're one with Him. We're a child of God. He says that He would grant you. I'm praying to the Father that He would grant you. He would gift you. He would grace you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit, through His Holy Spirit. If there's something we need in the church today, we need the Holy Spirit to come and quicken and strengthen the body of Christ again. Amen? If we think we don't need it, we were teaching this in Brazil. We were training these missionaries and evangelists. And we were literally, every day, the Holy Spirit was showing up and baptizing them and imparting things to them. And some of them began to resist it. And, I, and oh, why do we need this baptism? Why do we need this fire you talk about? So we sat down with them and we're like, we're training you not to be Bible geeks, okay? We're training you to be missionaries and evangelists. If you think you're going to go out into this world and effectively preach the gospel without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to get nowhere. You're going to get nothing done. Because it's not by might or by our power, it's by the Spirit of God, amen? And, and I said, I took them to the book of Acts. And I took them to the apostles, right? The, the A-team. And I said, look at these guys. These guys received the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20. Jesus breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit, right? Then, in Acts 2, they received the Holy Spirit again and they're filled. Then, all throughout the book of Acts, they're praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again. I go, if these guys needed this, what makes you think you don't need it? What makes you think you're going to be an effective Christian? You're going to overcome sin, the devil, all this wicked and perverse generation we live in, all these temptations, and you're going to effectively minister before the Lord without the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner man. So Paul's praying for them that you will be strengthened in your inner man. We need this, guys. The Holy Spirit is who Jesus sent on, on his behalf. He said, it's better when I leave, because when I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit called the Helper. Have you ever questioned that? Like, how on earth... Could anything be better than Jesus himself being with us? 
than Jesus himself walking with us, than Jesus himself on earth, God Emmanuel, God with us, healing the sick, casting out devils, preaching the kingdom. What was better than that? But Jesus said, when I go, it's going to be better for you. He literally said that. When I go back to my Father, it will be better for you. Because who I am, God with you, I will send the Holy Spirit. He will become God in you. You see, he, you, he will come and dwell in your inner man, the Holy Spirit of God. He will strengthen you. He will enable you to do what you cannot do, overcome sin, overcome the devil, overcome temptation. Why do you think the church is so falling all over the place? Leaders left and right. Every, every time it seems you turn on the news, people are falling all over the place. Big leaders, people we entrusted, we thought these were the men of God of our age. They're not trusting the Holy Spirit anymore, guys. We need the strength of God to do this life. This, this Christian life was never meant to be done on our own strength, on our own terms. We've been given a Holy Spirit. He's the one who will strengthen your inner man. That Christ, he says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And again, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to Christians. Doesn't Christ already dwell in our hearts through faith? When you first believed, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, and now I'm found, I was blind, but now I see. How, how precious was this grace that appeared the hour I first believed. We already believe in Christ by faith. He already dwells in our hearts. Why is he praying for them that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith? Because he was talking about remaining. He was talking about growing. He was talking about that abiding that Jesus talked about in John 15. You see, this was a church that later on fell from their first love. The very thing Paul was praying for them the very love of God he was praying would grip them and they would grasp how long and how wide and how deep it is that they would know the love of Christ. The very thing he prayed over them, they fell away from later. It's in Revelation 2. We'll get to that later. But he, his prayer was so deep that we would know the love of Jesus was patches, passes knowledge and be filled with it and be filled with the fullness of God. This was his prayer. So why is this so important for us today? Why is this so important to go back to the heart of God? Back to the love of God? You see, because in the last days, let me remind you what the Bible says. And I don't even need to, because as soon as you open your front door or you turn on the news, it's right in our faces. But let me remind you what the Bible says. That in the last days, people will become lovers of themselves and not of God. Lovers of money boasters and proud and arrogant and this was paul talking to timothy about people in the church we the world's already like that guys the world's already boastful and proud and full of themselves you know the number one thing now for for years like four or five years the number one thing for um christmas was the selfie stick what 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 that just shows you how self-centered our generation is the number one present for Christmas for like five years in a row was selfie cameras and selfie sticks. Everyone's obsessed with themselves. Isn't it crazy? And, and we see this increasing. Paul said it's going to happen in the church. 
The love of many will wax cold. Hatred and division and strife will increase, okay? Enmity against God. Persecution will become more prevalent. Jesus said in these last days, Matthew 24, he gives a, a whole discourse on the last days. And he says how persecution is going to increase. He said, all nations, you'll be persecuted by all nations for my name's sake. Division, hatred, and strife is going to increase. The church is so busy fighting against each other, we forgot our mission is to win the lost and to go out and do battle against the real enemy. We're so busy fighting against our brothers. Now, we got issues, guys. Families got issues. They're real issues. I'm not saying there's not issues that don't that need to be dealt with there are but how, how are we dealing with these things is it with love you know look at look at all the issues that these churches paul wrote to had you read the book of corinthians guys you read that book recently or ever <laughs> that book is full of junk man and paul the first thing he writes to them is grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus. This is literally how a, a spiritual father treats spiritual children. Let me just remind you who you are and remind you the love of the Father towards you and the grace and mercy God has given you through His Son Jesus. And peace be to you. Oh, but by the way, you know, um, you guys are sleeping with prostitutes. You need to repent. And you got, you know, this guy, he needs to get kicked out of the church. He's sleeping with his stepmom. And you guys are all carnal. And you guys are all sinful. And you're full of spiritual gifts, but you're full of spiritual pride. You need to repent. <laughs> you know, and he goes through the whole list, right? And Galatians, they were going back to works of the law. He's like, you're under a curse. What witch came in here and put a spell on you guys? You foolish fools. <laughs> you know, what, what, what do you think? You received the Spirit by hearing of the Word and by grace. What are you going to perfect the work of God now through your own efforts? How many issues did these churches have? But Paul never abandoned them. Paul never kicked these spiritual children to the curb. He spanked them for sure. Spanked them pretty hard sometimes, but he lovingly did it. He approached them from a position of grace, a position of love. Understand who you are, church. Understand who you are called to be. Understand who your Father in heaven is. And that His grace and mercy is upon you. You've been called and chosen. And He starts always from that place. And you see today, Jesus said lawlessness and lovelessness is going to abound in the last days. And, and the love of many will wax cold. This, this compassion we see is so lacking, right? And it almost seems like we're happier to divide and fight with one another then work with each other and love and unite are there real issues yes but did god ever permit us to divide against our brothers and despise them compassion guys this is love and tender mercy and grace that we are to have for one another you see this is the very identity of jesus the core of who He is and the core of who God is. You see, so many are losing love in these last days. They're losing love. And we're going to look at, right now, I want to read through 
I just want to remind you of the compassion of Jesus and who he is. And then we're going to get into how we should respond to that, how we should be. But let's just dig into the heart of God. Let's go into the compassion of Christ. So I I was actually reading this devotion. I, I encourage you guys to pick it up if there's any more left in the back. I was reading through this all week. But it's called the compassion of Jesus, and it's really deep. I'm just going to pick out some of the points, but if you can follow me, I encourage you to get get ready. We're going to take a journey into the heart of God. So he says, if if we were asked to describe someone important in our life with only one word, let's say your spouse or your child, how could you, how would you do it? It sometimes is a struggle to describe someone with one word. So, for example, you know, my wife Nona, you know, I could think of many words to describe her. You know, she's very patient. If you guys know her, she's very humble. She's very meek. She's very uh, bright. She's super smart. She's got a master's degree, if you guys didn't know. She speaks like seven, eight languages. She's really smart. And she's very hardworking. I can go on and on and on with these little one-word descriptions, but she is a special person. Trying to, to capture a person's heart in one word, it can be very difficult, right? And Because why? We're, we're complex beings. We have a lot of different characteristics. Just like my wife, I just named 10, ten of her characteristics and there's a hundred more. And we can display many different emotions and responses in life. And so it's kind of like how you look at a painting, a multicolored painting, you know, a field of flowers or a sunset over the mountains. There's all these different colors that describe one thing. So how much more difficult is it, he writes this, to capture the heart of Jesus with a single word? We see him portrayed in the scriptures in so many different ways, wise, powerful, authoritative, pure, gentle, holy, the list of one-word one descriptions could go on and on forever. But for me, he says, for me, when I think of the character of Christ displayed in the Gospels, one word rises above the rest, and it's compassion. Compassionate. This word is very unique. The verb to have compassion, I, don't e- I won't even try to say it in Greek or Hebrew, but <laughs> I'm not a theologian. Matt could maybe come up here and do that for us, but... I'm not there yet. But this, this verb to have compassion is found many times in the Gospels. And it suggests strong emotion and to feel deep sympathy. Okay, Some people are like, oh, don't get emotional. You know, Don't be an emotional Christian. Don't be led by emotion. Listen, if you don't feel emotion, you're probably dead. Okay, <laughs> People who don't feel are dead. That's what, that's what a dead person does. They don't feel anymore, right? C.S. Lewis said, look, we're supposed to worship God with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength. That sounds emotional to me. We're supposed to worship God with our passion, our heart, our emotion, and our mind. You know, some Christians get so mental, they have no feeling any longer. You know, and it's like, look, that's what a corpse is to me. Strong emotion and to feel deep sympathy. It, that's what Kona notes passion and sympathy. Some, some go even further to say that it carries the idea of feeling with someone. 
That means entering into their own experience and sharing it with them. We were just witnessing. Uh, Ryan was out there with us, and Brittany, we were out there on a Friday night a couple weeks ago. And we walked right up to the, we were praying in this plaza Friday night. We were praying with a bunch of young adults from Reveal Fellowship. And we were just walking through this plaza, prayer walking. And we came up to this warlock. I mean, this guy was a real warlock. And we began to just feel something like we need a witness to this guy. I go up and I share the gospel with him. And everyone there, we, we shared the gospel with him like three times. Okay? Like three times. Everyone's praying for the guy. He doesn't get saved. He doesn't give his life to Christ in that moment. But at the very end, he literally starts manifesting like demons. And he's, he starts like sharing with us what's really he's gone through in his life, how all the pain starts coming out, all the things he's gone through in life. And this guy was a real warlock, like his quote-unquote wife is a witch. He's a warlock, like real stuff. And everyone left, and you could feel this like spiritual weight kind of around and, and one of the girls kind of panicked, like, man, we need to pray that this would go away. And I go, no. You're feeling what he's probably felt his entire life. You're feeling compassion. Maybe discernment, you want to call it, whatever. But I go, you're experiencing what this man experiences his whole life. As soon as I began to pray for him, I could feel pain coming off of the guy. I could feel pain, and I, I prayed that over him. You see, compassion draws you into someone else's experience. So for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in all things, yet is without sin. Hebrews 4.15, Jesus is being our high priest. You see, he personally experienced the things we experienced. When we go into the Gospels, we see he faced temptation. He faced starvation. He faced uh, hunger and thirst. He was tired. He had fatigue. He was rejected. He was betrayed. He was misunderstood. And the list goes on and on and on. He experienced or was tested in every type of life experience that were tested, and yet he never sinned. So the writer of Hebrews said that this holistic experience that Jesus had, it enabled him to be the proper high priest that we have for us. You see, Israel's way of government, there was three primary offices. We, we all know this. Most of us do know this. The prophet, the priest, and the king, right? There was three forms of offices. Like today we have president, governor, you know, state representative, whatever. Mayor, city representative. They, there they had the prophet, the priest, the king, right? The role of the king, among many other things, was to arbitrate between the people. He was to, setter, he was to settle, you know, disputes between the people and judge and rule over the people. The duty of the prophet was to represent God to the people. The duty of the high priest was to represent the people to God. You see the different roles? So the prophet's role was, I'm here to tell you, thus says the Lord. I'm here. I, I just came down from the mountain with God for 40 days, and I'm here to tell you what the Lord said. So the, the prophet spoke on behalf of God to the people. The priest was called to speak on behalf of the people to God. So God, let me tell you what the people are saying now. Let me intercede for the people. Let me share with you what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, and what they're going through. You understand what, what, what a priest is? And so Jesus' human experience equipped him not to merely represent the Father to us, 
but to represent us to the Father, not just in an official way, but in a very human understanding way. He can be our sympathetic high priest because he felt what we feel and experienced all that we experience. The key is that although his experience was never marked by sin, he felt sin's effects on his creatures. This commitment by Jesus to share in our experience is at the heart of his compassion for us. So the compassion of Jesus is, again, what we're talking about. He came to reveal to us the Father, but he came to be one of us and to become like us to represent us to the Father. And when you look at Jesus, you see the perfect display of God to humanity, but then you see this perfect human who can represent us to the Father. And he had the compassion of the Father. You see it in his, everything he did in his life, in, in the way he ministered to people, the way he loved people, the way he was compassionate for all these groups of people. I'm just going to show you a few of these things in the Bible. But Jesus was the Father incarnate, right? He was God incarnate in the flesh. He became a man in the beginning in John 1.1. 1, 1, we know the verse. I'm just quoting scripture to you to give you the basis. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was equally God with the Father. And the Word was God. So He existed in the form or the nature of God from all eternity past. He was equal with God the Father and perfectly like Him in every way. And this was the important role of His mission in coming to earth it was not just to rescue us and save us, absolutely, that was his mission, but that was one part of it, one aspect of it. He came to show us, actually, what the invisible God looks like, right? That's literally was Jesus' mission. He came to reveal to us and show us what the invisible God looks like. John described this as one of the aspects of Jesus' missions. If you look at Jesus' mission, it wasn't so simple as I just came to seek and save the lost. That's one key aspect of it. But he said many things about his mission. He said, I also came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? He said, I came to destroy the works of darkness. Take back the keys of death in Hades. I came to seek and save those that are lost. Then he said, I came to reveal the Father. So he had many different aspects of his mission. And John showed us this in John 1.18 when he wrote, No one has seen God at any time except the only begotten of God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has came and made him known to us. He has explained him to us, so to speak. In the upper room, I love this because this is John 14. Everyone quotes this. You know, when I'm an evangelist, so we use John 14. All, I, used, I grew up hearing my granny preach John 14 all the time, you know. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Someone say amen, because he is, amen. He's the way for those who are lost. He's the truth for those who are confused, and he's the life for those who are dead. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's not just a way, he's the way. He's not just a truth, he's the truth. You want to know the truth, it's Jesus, it's a person, man. You want to know the way to the Father? It's Jesus. 
You know, he is the way, the truth, and the life. You want to know the way out of death? Come to Jesus. He'll give you eternal life. But we make that, especially as evangelists, you know, I'm guilty. We, we make that teaching so much about getting into heaven, which is true because he is the only way to heaven. Someone say amen. There is no other name under heaven by which a man is saved other than the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm just having the evangelist is coming out, you know, the aspect of my ministry. I'm sorry. But. But he was actually talking about more. He's, he said, guys, um, John 14, 1, he says, guys, this is right before the cross. And he's, he's gathering with his disciples, the Last Supper, and he prays over them. He has this meal with them, and he, he tells them, you believe in God, the Father, right? Believe also in me. See, God the Father, you believe in him, believe also in me. Don't be troubled about what's about to happen. Then he says, for in my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare one for you. So what is this about? The father, the father's house. Then he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the only way to the father. He wasn't talking about just going to heaven, guys. He was talking about being reconciled to the father. That's what he came to do. And they, they knew what he was saying because they didn't say, well, show us how to get into heaven then. They said, show us the Father. They said, well, what, if this is all about the Father and you're the way to the Father and the Father's house and the Father this and the Father that, just show us the Father already, Jesus, and we'll be done with it. Right? He said, wait, don't you get it? John fourteen nine. he said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. You see, God came down as a man to show us himself, to reveal to us his heart, and to bring us into a relationship with God, the Father. It starts now. It starts the moment you believe in Jesus. It starts the moment you put your faith in Christ. You become a child of God. He says, all who believe in me and all who receive him have the right to become children of God. And yes, we go to heaven forever. Yes, we go into the glory. But what's so glorious about it? It's the Father's there. It's the Father's house. If the Father ain't there, I don't even want to go. Take me where God is. Like Moses said, if you're not going with us into the promised land, Lord, forget it. I don't even want the promises without you. I want you, God. You're my portion. You're my exceedingly great reward. And so Jesus came to explain the Father to us. And the critical aspect of the heart of God. You see, the Father was so compassionate. And yes, He judges. Yes, He's holy. Yes, He's God Almighty. We see that all throughout the Bible. Anyone who preaches anything else is a, is a heretic, really. If God is not holy, then He's not the God of this Bible. And if he doesn't judge wickedness, rebellion, and sin, then he's not the God of my Bible. But understand this, Moses was the first man in the history of the world who God described himself to. You understand? Like for us, we read all about this stuff. Like when, when John 3 happened, like Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, okay? And Jesus said to him, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
you see, that's so normal to Christians. That's so like, what do we call that, cliche for us? We don't even get what he was saying. He was revealing his love for the entire world. Like Nicodemus and the Jews, they literally thought God loved Israel and hated the other nations. Do you understand? That was their mentality. And that was even somehow like how they came to believe in God because the way he treated these other nations, these Gentiles, right? The words he would call them with dogs and, you know, sinners and wretches and all these things that, because that's what ultimately we are apart from God. But the Jews got into this mentality like, God loved Jacob, he hated Esau. God loved Israel, he hates all these other nations. We're the chosen ones, and God came to save Israel and redeem Israel and save the Jews, the king of the Jews, right? But Jesus literally gave him this revelatory, like, greater understanding than he ever imagined. You, you're saying, wait, God loves the whole world? What are you trying to say? <laughs> you came to save the whole world? For all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. You came, what? You came to offer this gift to everyone? Even the Gentile dogs? Even the... Even the warlocks and the witches, you know, everyone was freaked out by this warlock. You know what I sent? A, a scripture the next day. I said, guys, you know, we were actually ministering to this guy so much that we drove away and the Spirit of the Lord said, go back and hug this guy. Everyone was like scared. And the Spirit of the Lord said, go back and hug this man. And I had to turn the car around and, 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 and just hug this warlock. And as I'm hugging this man, I'm hugging him, I felt the Spirit of God tell me, sorry for my mic, it's all over, but I got it now. As I'm hugging this man, I felt the Spirit of God tell me he was molested by a man. And he needed to feel the pure love of a man. That's why he's so broken, lost. He didn't have a father. He was molested. He was abused. There's pain deep, deep inside that man. And this compassion just drew me to love him. And when everyone's afraid, I, I said, guys, we were all witches and warlocks. I sent the scripture to the group the next day. They're like, what do you mean? I go, do you ever read the verse where it says sin, the sin of rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft and idolatry is as, you know, whatever. And I said, guys, I don't know about you, but I rebelled against God before, so I was a witch. <laughs> that makes me a warlock, you know. I was, a, I was under witchcraft, man. You know, how, how dare we not love these people and feel compassion toward these lost sinners? That's what drove, you know, what, what, what led God to leave heaven, it wasn't His holiness. His holiness would have just been satisfied to judge everyone because He's holy and we're sinners. What, what drove God from heaven to leave heaven and come as a man, it wasn't these other attributes of God that we could talk about all day long. It was compassion. For God so loved the world He gave. Like, why did God give Jesus? Why did God give the Son? Why did God sacrifice His own Son? And why did Jesus come and say, no one takes my life, I lay it down willingly? It was because of love. It was nothing other than his compassion that drew us, that drew him to save us. You see, when Moses, let me go back to Moses. I got ahead of myself. 
when Moses was the, the, the prophet of God, okay, he gave the law, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, Moses, right? We call it the law. He was the, the man who God literally described himself to for the first time. Like he, he actually asked, he asked, he asked God like this bold prayer. I encourage you all to do this because God will reveal himself to you. He, he, he prayed one day and he said, Lord, show me your glory. Remember that? Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. The Lord said, look, Moses, great prayer. I can't fully answer that or you'll die. <laughs> I'll kill you. My glory will kill you. It's too great. But he said, what I will do is I'll show you a glimpse of it. I'll show you just a little piece of it. As, as I pass by you, I'll show you my passing shadow, and I'll reveal to you like a glimpse of my glory. So the Lord, you know, Moses goes into the cleft of the, the, the cave there. The Lord passes by. This is Exodus 34, if you guys want to read it later. Exodus 34, verse 6 through 7. So the Lord passed by in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives wickedness rebellion witchcraft and sin wickedness transgression and sin this was literally the first revelation really of god's nature to a man to mankind it it was really God's description of himself to Moses the prophet. And and the first word he uses, the Lord, the Lord, okay, that's Yahweh, Yahweh, the all-knowing, the almighty, the all-sufficient one. He's all-sufficient within himself. He needs nothing. He created all things. By him and for him all things were made. He is the Yahweh God. He's the eternally existed God. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the first. He's the last. He's the one who was and is and is to come, right? And, and so he's saying, this is who I am, Yahweh, and I'm compassionate. You got that? First thing he says about himself, I'm compassionate, and I'm gracious, and I'm kind, and I'm slow to anger, and abounding in love. I'm abounding in loving kindness, mercy, and truth. Like that, you know what I mean? Like, we, we, we thought like lightning bolts would come flying and, you know, thunder and roaring. And he literally just, I'm compassionate, Moses. You didn't get it. You didn't understand it. But I'm merciful. I'm kind. I forgive wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Obviously, for those who repent and come into his covenant, he offers that too. So the compassionate and graciousness is the description of how God describes himself. He's utterly holy. He's unlike, you know, the word holy means he's separate. He's not like anything in creation. You guys understand that? Like there's parts of creation like, you know, yeah, we all have like these fingerprints and we bear like the image and all that stuff. But there's things about God and attributes about God that none of us have that none of us ever will have, that He's all-knowing, and He's almighty, and He's holy. But what makes Him so unique? 
What makes him so holy and special is the compassion and grace that he displays to an undeserving man, undeserving sinful man. We see his, I'm just going to go through these quickly so that we can get to the landing point. But we see his compassion in parables. We see his compassion in the Good Samaritan, in his teachings, right? So we see his compassion in Jesus' teachings. We see it in the Good Samaritan. You all know the story. It's in Luke 10 if you want to read that. If you guys online want to take notes, here you go. Luke chapter 10. So in his teachings, the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 and on. You see his, the, the compassion of the Father and Jesus in the prodigal son story, which is probably the most famous of all the parables and the most uh, powerful story of compassion we see in Scripture, one of the most. We see the power of his compassion and how, you know, we think of power in these political terms, you know, physical power or the size of one's army or strength or the amount of money one has or influence. But when we look at the power of Jesus, it was found in his meekness and in his compassion and how he displayed love toward the sick. Matthew 14, 14, I'm just going to quote scriptures. You can write them down for sake of time. It says, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd there and he felt compassion for them compassion and he healed their sick what is he doing he's displaying the father this Yahweh who told Moses I'm compassionate now he's showing us his compassion right he felt compassion what is that he felt sympathy he felt emotional pain for them he felt what they feel and he began to heal their sick for the needy in Matthew 15 32 if you're taking note It says, and Jesus called his disciples to himself, and he said to them, I feel compassion for the people. Can you hear his heart? I I feel compassion for these people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. He even cared for their food. He cares for his creatures. If he cares for birds of the air, if a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without him knowing it, how much more does he care for humankind? He says, they've been with me three days, and they've eaten nothing. And I don't want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. He was concerned, not just that they came to him, he was concerned about their coming and their going. He was concerned that when they're walking home, they might faint in the heat. They might faint out of exhaustion. They might faint because they haven't eaten nothing. And then he did the miracle of feeding them. He was compassionate toward the blind. Matthew 20, 34, moved with compassion. He touched their eyes, and immediately... They regained their sight and followed him. Compassion is the key word. For the terminally ill, for those who are dying. You see the great sacred moment when someone's leaving this life and they're about to enter the next. There's some reality, you know, we call it the great denominator of humankind, right? We're all going to die doesn't matter what you do, how much money you make, how much strength you have, one day you're going to fall to the dust like all of us, right? What are man's days? It's like the grass. One day we're here, the next day we're withered and gone. And Jesus, I love how he wrote it here, paupers and kings, intellectuals and uneducated, wealthy and poverty stricken, all eventually experience death and no one escapes it. It's life's greatest inevitability. 
Yet Jesus had these moments when death was happening around. Mark 1, verse 41. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and he touched the leper, saying, Be cleansed. Now understand, this man was about to die, this leper, okay? He had death on him, not just leprosy. Because the Bible says in Luke 5, Luke the doctor said he was covered with leprosy, okay? So that means he wasn't just sick and leopard. He was dying of leprosy. And his disease had advanced in, in, in stages in the years. So Jesus had compassion more than his fear of catching leprosy. And he reached out and he touched the man and healed him. And he literally saved him from death. We see him stopping in his ministry a woman uh, you know, who lost her child. He, he went and raised the child to, to life again. You know, the child, uh, for the grieving, he had compassion. For the sick, he had compassion. For the blind, he had compassion. For everyone he, he encountered. Women, uh, he had compassion for the oppressed. I'm just going to go through the whole list. So you guys get the heart of God with me. Because this is so important, guys. Women, he had compassion on. They were the most un respected you know they were more like property back in those days they didn't have uh, a, a you know position like men had they weren't respected as men were and and they were just rejected a lot of times their testimonies weren't even valid in court and yet jesus was the first teacher in israel's history that had women disciples isn't that interesting he had women disciples he elevated the women's role back to equality with man for in the beginning he made them male and female he made them in his image Woman wasn't down here, man up here. Yes, man's role is to lead. That doesn't mean he's greater in value. They're equal. He, ev- he elevated the woman back to where he created them to be. The women demonized people, social outcast. Compassion drove him. It, it's so interesting when you study his ministry with women, right? In the Gospels, I just got to read this stuff. It's so deep. Women came from every background to Jesus. In every situation imaginable, widows came to Jesus, wives came to Jesus, single women, apparently Mary and Martha were single, came to Jesus, hurting mothers, the Canaanite woman, came to Jesus, demonized women, Mary Magdalene, came to Jesus, and morally sinful women came to Jesus, the woman caught in adultery came to Jesus. You see, there was some, some meek, compassionate gentleness there. That women just felt free to go to Jesus. Women just felt free. No matter what their situation was, they can just come and cry out to Jesus. Isn't that liberating women? Like, man, look, I'm not getting there yet. Like, I, I'm trying to have more meekness, humility, gentleness, Lord. Help us. But he was so meek. He was so gentle and lowly in heart. Even the most lowly people did not fear approaching him. The demonized, the social outcast. The oppressed, and here's what's interesting, even the oppressors, he had compassion on. You know who the oppressors were? Tax collectors. Milking the people of money in a, in a collaboration with Rome, corrupt Rome. And they had the ability to, so Rome had a certain quota, like this is the amount of tax they had to collect. They, they Actually what they were doing was they had the ability to collect as much from the people as they wanted or were able to and keep the rest for themselves. So as long as they paid Rome what they wanted, they could pocket all the rest of the money. And Jesus calls a tax collector, Matthew, into his own ministry. 
Zacchaeus. <laughs> the little shorty, you know, he had to climb up the tree to see. He goes and have dinner with the man and leads him to salvation and liberation. The guy gets set free of his love for money. But isn't it interesting, he even loved and had compassion on the oppressors. Even they got mad. They're like, what are you doing, Jesus? You're like a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That was one of his nicknames, friend of tax collectors and sinners, you know. That's how compassionate our God is. Now, where does it all culminate? I want to present to you that the greatest act of love, the most sacrificial display of God's mercy and compassion was the very cross itself. It was the cross of Jesus Christ. It was the place where Jesus was nailed and crucified for sinners like us. And he died to have not just compassion on this one or that one or this person or that person, for the whole world. He showed compassion and mercy to the whole entire world. You see, the cross itself was God's great display. It was his greatest expression of who he is. Because see, his holiness was satisfied, and His mercy was displayed at the same time. He, he, his greatest act, His greatest display, that's why there's so much power in the cross, because there's so much love and mercy in it. Do you guys get what the cross means? There's so much love and mercy in the cross, the bloody old rugged cross. You see, the throne of God on earth, he didn't choose to come and sit on a golden throne in Jerusalem like Solomon. His throne on earth was a, hanging on a bloody old rugged cross. That was where he came and displayed who he is. That was the greatest display of his glory. That was the greatest display of his nature and his character and his compassion. And how can we, how can we overlook it? How can so many fall away from this love? You see, the cross, I present to you two things. We either don't understand the love of God, we don't even get the grace of God and how sinful we were, or we've forgotten. I present those two things because you see, I, I hear this going around more and more now. Like, people are saying, like, the cross is a display of our value to God. It's a display of how valuable we are to God. Let me tell you, that's a pit of hell lie. The cross doesn't display how valuable we were. The cross displays how disgusting and defiled we were by sin. It was the most horrifying display of a human being you could ever imagine. They would hang there naked. That's what sin does. It makes you naked before a holy God. They would hang there beaten and bloodied and empty of all dignity. It, it, it empties, like sin takes away all dignity before a holy God. It showed our ugliness. The cross showed the ugliness of the world. The cross showed our wretched sin. It didn't show how valuable we are. It displays how ugly sin is and how utterly worthless we became to God. In Romans it says, all have together sinned. All like sheep have gone astray. All have become worthless. Did we have value in the garden? Yeah, I guess so. But that was lost. That was lost because of sin. And the cross displayed it. But it shows 
the amazing grace that we sing about. It, it displays, the cross displays the ugliness of our sin. But then it shows the amazing mercy of God. That who would purchase a person that worthless? Who would die for a sinner that wretched? Who would take the place of a humanity so depraved? Only a God who is full of compassion and is full of mercy and grace, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. What God, what manner of love is this? It, it, it's, who deserved that cross of Christ was Barabbas. Read the story, guys. Who was supposed to be on that cross was Barabbas. Barabbas represented us. Pilate took Barabbas out because he didn't want to crucify Christ and have his hands dirty. His wife was warning him. He got the warning from heaven. And he took the filthiest, dirtiest, vilest sinner out of the prison, Barabbas. The murderer. The crazy man. You know, the movies, I don't even think depict him right. You've seen him in The Passion. He came out, looking like Gollum, you know. I don't even think, that was, I think he was uglier than that, man. I think he was more wicked than that. And they, they, like Pilate brings him out in hopes that the people will choose like, oh my gosh, you know. Look at this poor meek lamb. You know, this meek man who all he did is love the lost and heal the sick and embrace the sinner. And there he is beaten with a crown of thorns. He already took the 39 lashes, minus 40 minus 1. He was already being marred beyond any man could be marred. And here's this innocent lamb. And he's like silent. And here's this wretched murderer. Who do you pick? Who do you pick? And how wretched is humanity that instead of seeing our own guilt and shame in Barabbas and our own filthy garbage in Barabbas and saying, no, 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 he's the innocent one, crucify Barabbas. Instead of saying that, they said, let Barabbas free. That's how wretched we are. And crucify Jesus. That's what we're all guilty of, guys. But that was God's divine plan. He knew. And he said, yet I go anyway, Father. Prepare me a body that I might go and display who you are. Prepare me a body that I will go and take Barabbas' place, Lord. For no one takes my life, Jesus said. No one. I give it willingly. And guys, I pray, this is it in closing, if you just give me one, two minutes here to close this. But I pray that as church in America, as Christians, we would return to the heart of God. You see, we, if you want to go be a missionary like Matt, praise God. But go and preach the gospel in love. If you're out in the streets like Ryan on Friday and Saturday nights in the clubs and you're preaching repentance, praise God, but go in love. Preach the truth in love. If, if you serve at your church and you're a deacon or an elder and you minister to the saints, praise God. But do it in love. If you prophesy, you have the gift of prophecy. Praise God, you're, you're going to edify many saints. But if you have not love, you're nothing. 
you're not you're just making noise and you see paul's warning paul's prayer to the church in ephesus was like a warning he was telling them you need to go deeper in the love of god there's measures of this god there's there's depths of his love that you don't even know yet and you see they thought i I think they got proud in a way because they thought they figured it out they thought they knew god because when you read in ephesians 2 in Revelation 2, sorry, about the church of Ephesus, the one that Paul was praying for, what we read in the beginning. They're literally called the loveless church. They're called the loveless church, and I won't read it for sake of time, but he says, guys, great. You know the truth. Good for you. You tested the false apostles, and you've seen the ones that are fake. You kicked them out. Good for you. You do many good works in my name. Good for you. But you know what he said? You've forgotten your first love. And you know what he said? If, if you don't repent, I'll actually take your lampstand away, meaning you're not even a church anymore. If you, if you lose love, you lose Jesus. You understand, guys? If we don't love one another and we don't love and, and we're not filled with this compassion and we don't go deeper in his love and we're not abiding in his love, Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. How do you do it? Obey me obey my commands and what is my command just love one another love the lord thy god with all your heart and love each other this is how you abide in god this is how you grow in grace this is how you know god how do you claim to know god john the apostle said and you hate your brother how do you claim to know the father and you despise the one that's right in front of you this is how you know god and he was like warning them because they fell away from love They fell away from love. And you know what he said to them? Like, you do all these great things. This is Jesus talking to his churches now. You do all these great things, and I'm happy about it. You know, good for you. But if you don't have love, I'm going to remove you from even being a church. Like, you're not even a church to me without love. You're, you're You're not doing what I've called you to do. And when it says repent and return to your first love or do the first works some people think that is like oh you know return to the first love that you had when you first fell in love with jesus right like this first feeling of love you had but i want to present to you what it really means is return to the one who loved you first return to the one who first loved you while you were yet a sinner christ came and died for you return to the one who's full of love and compassion and mercy and grace and this is how you'll be my disciples this is how you'll display to the world see because in in closing this is it when the world is falling apart which it is right now it's literally crumbling before our very eyes so just let this land on you. The, the whole world is falling apart. As we speak here, we're in church, we're in peace. But outside, everything is crumbling. Everything is shaking. Everyone's dividing. Hatred, lovelessness, and lawlessness is abounding. And the church is falling prey to the same trap. And if we don't fight and unite and keep the love burning in our lamps we'll be snuffed out guys we'll be we'll be overtaken in this final hour you know the the parable of the ten virgins i won't even read it 
I encourage you to, Matthew 25. It's been just beating me this whole new year, like just belting my heart. And it's a waking up, it's a wake up call. But it's so interesting, Jesus compared the last days to the parable of the ten virgins. And he said this, and we'll pray. The kingdom of heaven will be like this at that time. Matthew 24 was all about the last days. Matthew 25 is the parable. He says there's ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom to come back. Five are wise, five are foolish. You guys know the parable, but the hour got so late, so dark, what's happening in the world, that, and everyone wants to be the five virgins, but let me, let me present this to you. Even the five wise fell asleep. The hour got so late and the hour got so dark that the foolish and the wise fell asleep. And Jesus said, that's what it's going to be like in the last days. Now, the call went out. They woke up. The bridegroom's coming. The wise had their oil, praise God. What is the oil? I think it's God Himself. It's the Spirit of the Lord. It's the love of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now. I pray that we would really feel Your heart, God. We would understand this, this compassionate God, this merciful God, that we claim Your name, Lord. We bear Your name on our backs. You've written your name on our foreheads. Lord, you've sealed us by your blood. You've sealed us by your spirit. But Lord, we want to abide and remain in this love. We want to be filled with your love, Father. Or we're nothing, your Bible says. Your word says, God. And we, we need your love, God. We need compassion again. I feel like, even me at times, God, I feel like I just lack compassion and mercy toward people. And I don't feel their pain like I should. And I don't feel like you feel for them, God. And I pray for a removal of deadness, God, and dry scales and just dryness in the body of Christ, God, that you will rip off callous skin right now from hearts and that you will let compassion grip us again, God. The deep sense of emotion for the lost. The deep sense of love for our brothers, God. This, this deep driving nature that drove you to the cross. Father, that you would give your life for us. Father, we know we've just tasted a bit of it and seen a little of it. And Lord, my prayer to end is just that we will be filled with all the fullness of God. And that we would be able to comprehend together with all the saints all around America, all around the world. Help all the saints right now, God, grasp and understand and comprehend what is the width and the length and the height and the depth of your love, God. I want to know the love of Jesus. I want to know the love of Jesus. And I want to count everything as rubbish and garbage, God. You can have all this world, just give me Jesus. 
Lord, I pray that you will put in us a burning desire for Jesus, our bridegroom, that we will not fall asleep in these final hours, God, that we will not fall asleep in these last days, but we would be the 11th man in the parable, crying out in the streets, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. That we will be awake, that we will be ready, Lord, that we would not fall asleep on you, God, that we will not let our love grow cold. Lord, help us, God. We need you. We need you to light the fire again, Lord. Don't let, as the old song says, don't let our love grow cold and don't let our vision die, Lord, but light the fire again. Let us know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, I just preach Christ and Him crucified and that's all I want to know. So Father, we ask You, God, that we not become like the church of Ephesus who was called loveless, that we not lose the one who loved us first. But we know you love us, God. And we thank you for loving a wretch like me, God. I thank you for loving us while we were unlovable. Remind us of the great grace that we've received. And as freely as we received it, God, help us to freely give it. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. You could just say that with me, saints. We just love you, Lord. Oh, we love you, God, with all of our heart. And we ask you to forgive us right now. God, I ask you to forgive me, Lord. I just stand in the gap for America. We ask you to forgive the church in America, God, for forsaking our first love, for forsaking mercy and grace and compassion. You told the Jewish stiff necks of your day, you said, great, you tithe, and you, you give a tenth of all your mint and cumin and spices, and you do this and you do that, and you follow the laws. But you forgot the most important matter, to have mercy. So, Lord, remind us of mercy. Remind us of grace. Touch America again, God. Let the church become uncalloused. Let the church become warm again and hot for you, God. Burn again. Burn a flame, a fiery flame upon this nation, God. And let the church awaken, Lord. Let the five wise, we know there's five fools. We know there's five foolish ones, God, but there's five wise, God. And we pray that the five wise would awake and hear the bridegroom is coming now. And they would come and be quickened that your church would rise, God, in this final hour. And that the cords of love, God, would entangle us once again. Yes, Father, just fill us, Lord, with your love. Fill us, God. I'm, just, I'm praying, I'm believing God wants us to ask him to just fill us with his love. Like this wouldn't just be a Bible lesson for you guys to go home with. This wouldn't just be another you know, sermon that you heard, but just let the love of God land on you. Even just, just ask the Father yourself in your heart right now. Just say, Father, fill me with your love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I'm going to ask the elders, maybe the pastor, to come up. If you're watching online, if you need prayer to just come up, come forward. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. God loves you so much. If you're online watching, Jesus shed his blood and died for you on a cross so that you can know the Father. And you could have a relationship with God. And he wants you to love him and abide in him. That's where life is found. So if you're online watching, just cry out to your Father in heaven. He hears you. And he's there for you.
you just beckon us, Lord. I just see Jesus. He's sitting at a table, like a banquet table. And he has all these placemats and plates set up for you. And he just calls you to come down and sit with him. He said, Behold, I, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and, and opens, he said, I will come in and dine with you. He's preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. That you can sit down in peace and safety and just be loved and accepted at the right hand of the Father at the table of God. Just come and sit down with Him. Just come and sit at His feet. Come and eat from His hand. Yeah, there's great things. I'm just going to release this word that God gave me. I didn't plan on this at all. I apologize for the time. If you do have to go, like, don't feel pressure to stay here. Don't feel pressure to, you know, do anything. Be free in the spirit. But as I was praying and, and fasting with my family this year, I really felt the Lord tell me, like, greater tribulations are coming to this nation things that really, really are going to be harder than we've experienced ever before. I hate to blow the trumpet in Zion, but in Amos chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. The Lord is saying, Woe to those who are asleep in such an hour. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. For the hour the judgment is coming, it's at hand. And the Lord is waking up people. He's giving out a final call to this nation. And if we don't repent, if we don't repent, there's a swift judgment coming. There's a swift judgment coming upon this nation if we don't repent. This is a, a clarion call to the entire church across America. And whoever hears my voice, we need to wake up and we need to be about our Father's business and fall in love with Jesus all over again. Because if not, this hour will overtake us like a thief in the night. And I heard famines are coming to this land. Famines like we haven't experienced before. The Lord really landed on me. And I, I don't ever want to claim to be a prophet or prophesying in His name. But when the Lord lands on me and I know it's Him, I speak. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I'll speak what the Lord is telling me. And He said the fatness is going to turn into skinniness in America. There's been so much fatness in this land and it's going to turn into skinniness because I want people to hunger and thirst for righteousness again. I want people to hunger and thirst for me, but they've been too filled on themselves. They've been too filled on food. They've been too filled in luxuries and pleasures for too long, says the Lord. And now there's coming a skinniness upon this land. And the Lord's not willing. He doesn't want to judge. He doesn't want to send calamity. He hates to. But he wants people to hunger and thirst for righteousness again. For righteousness. For him. For his kingdom. So just let the Lord call you back in. Let go of the world. Whatever, whatever plans you have for this year. I, hear, I just feel like the Lord's telling me, even me personally, just, just thwart them. Just forget your plans. Forget your dreams. Let the Lord speak to you. Because something is going to happen and shake this nation, guys. I don't even know if it's this year, but it's coming soon. And it's coming really swiftly. 
And we have to be ready, guys. We have to be ready. God doesn't do anything without communicating to us. I remember Chuck Smith. He said, my whole Christian life, my whole Christian life, he said, I never fell, I never failed, I never made a mistake without the Lord warning me first. His whole Christian life. And I believe these things are coming as a loving, loving, compassionate, caring warning. The altar's open. We don't need to add any more to it, but you know, the altar is open. If anyone wants to come up, listen, this service, I know the, the hour got a little late, but this service was unique from the beginning. And I think the Lord was saying, I got something special for you today. So let's take what we heard and the compassion that you can see the compassion of Christ in our brother as he was ministering the message. And it's for a time for us to take the compassion to this world and to show the love for one another. You know, Jesus told us, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, yes. and all men will know that you are my disciples. Yes. And isn't that what we really want all men to know, that we're Jesus' disciples? So we'll close here, but the altar's open. You want to come down and get on, on your, on the face, and, and before the Lord, or just pray with Fred or myself. Uh, come on up. We'll be waiting up here for you. So for those online, we thank you. You're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches in, 
in sunny Florida, but it's not so sunny today. It's very cold for us in 40s. This is uh, Pastor Evangelist Missionary Brett Hennis, if you know him. I mean, I, I remember him when he was a little, little guy, just, just coming hungry for the Lord. And now, what is it, about 10 years later, you know, he's on fire, as you can tell. And God's called him to many nations, you know. Just came back from Tanzania, Africa, went from there to Nigeria, went from Nigeria to Brazil. And, um, you know, God's moving him around. I believe, you know, that he's going to be, um, there's more than more to him than, than what we see. <laughs> and God's got much more for him and for Matt and for any one of us that love the Lord. So let me close in prayer and the altar's open. Father, now unto you who are able to keep us from falling, to present us faultless before your throne, to the only wise God and Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. We love you here. Come on back if you're, you're online or even here today. Amen.